KMTT, Kinitzion Tetzei Torah, today's Thursday. We have the weekly shiur in topics in Hilchot Kashrut, given by Harav Asaf Bednash. Today we will discuss some of the halachot of Bishol Akum with an eye to the question of which non-Jews were included in the prohibition of Bishol Akum. The Gemara tells us in the second parak of Masechet Avodah Zarah and these halachot are recorded in your Deasim and Kofiud Gimel of the Shulchan Arach, that Chazal made a prohibition on any food cooked by a non-Jew. The Gemara clarifies, that this doesn't apply to all foodstuffs. In the language of the Shulchan Arach, Davar she'inon echal k'mo chai, any food that meets two requirements, it is inedible raw, and it is fit for a king's table. If cooked by a non-Jew, is prohibited because of Bishol Akum. <coughs> the Rishonim discuss what the reason behind this Easter is. Rashi says on the Mishnah of Orizar, Daflam, and Heyam, and Bet, and so agree most of the Rishonim, the Kulamisham Chatnut, that all of the Isurim listed in the Mishnah, in Avodazara there, the bread of non-Jews, and the cooked foods of non-Jews, the oil of non-Jews, etc., are all forbidden because of the suspicion of intermarriage. If you eat at your non-Jewish friend's house, you'll become too friendly, and the families will end up intermarrying. Rashi on the Gemara, Daflam Ched Ahmed Aleph, surprisingly, gives a different interpretation and says that you shouldn't be used to even if right now the food you're eating is 100% kosher you shouldn't get used to eating food cooked by a non-Jew because you get used to eating the food cooked by a non-Jew and one of these days he'll slip you in some treif meat and he will end up whether accidentally or purposely feeding you treif. The uh, <coughs> the acronym debate which of these two reasons is the primary reason for the Isur. The Petre Tshuva in the beginning of Siman Kof Yud Gimel quotes from the Teferet Lemoshe a Nafgamina practical implication, a difference between these two explanations. He says, if the reason for the prohibition is because it might lead to intermarriage, 
then it should only be forbidden to eat food cooked by an actual non-Jew. But food cooked by a non-observant Jew should be fine, since one is permitted to intermarry with all Jews. However, if the reason for the gzeira was that you might get used to eating his food and might accidentally eat treif, then that should apply not only to a non-Jew, but to any non-observant Jew who doesn't keep kosher. If you get used to eating the food that he prepares, he may one day serve you treif food. There are those achronim who are machmir and forbid the food cooked by a non-observant Jew because of Bishal Akum, based on the second explanation of Rashi, that the reason for the prohibition is that you might end up eating non-kosher. However, the minaga olam is to be mekel. We accept the lenient opinion which, based on the sack of a number of posts, including Rabbi Vad Yosef, who says the main reason, the real reason that we accept the halacha is that they prohibited Bishal Akam because of fear of intermarriage. And therefore, this prohibition only applies to an actual non-Jew, but not to a fellow Jew. That is why the common minhag is to be lenient and eat, f- eat food cooked by any Jew, so long as one ascertains that it is kosher, but not eat food cooked by a Gentile. Tosvos in Avodazar Daflamet Chet Amad Aleph deals with these two explanations, prefers the explanation that the reason for the prohibition is intermarriage, but quotes Machlokas between Rabbeinu Avraham and Rabbeinu Tam. It's not 100% clear who this Rabbeinu Avraham is. Some have mistakenly attributed this to the well-known Ravid. The Tosot Rush explains that it is a Rabbeinu Avraham who was the uncle of the Ri, Rabbeinu Yitzchak, the author of most of Tosot. So this early Tosafist, Rabbeinu Avraham, (coughs) came up with a great kula. Tosot quotes, Omer Harav Rav Avraham, and Artosot has Barab David, this Rav Avraham, perhaps son of David, but not the famous Ravid, the prohibition of Bishal Akum is only if the non-Jew cooks the food in his own house. But if the non-Jew cooks food in a Jewish house, the prohibition does not apply. Because, regardless of how we interpret the reason for the, for the Gzeira, whether it was because of intermarriage, or fear of non-kosher food, in a Jewish house, neither suspicion applies. If the guy cooks in a non-Jewish house, it's not going to lead to intermarriage. The Jew is eating the food in his own house either way. It only leads to intermarriage if the Jew goes over to the guy's house and feels at home there. But if all the, everything is being done in the Jew's house, it will not lead to intermarriage. After all, one is allowed to host a non-Jew in one's own house, on your home court. We're not afraid that will lead to intermarriage. <coughs> And if the fear is that the, go, the non-Jew 
might accidentally slip in some non-kosher ingredients, that fear doesn't apply in the house of a Jew. There are no non-kosher ingredients for him to cook. Therefore, logically, the Esor should not apply if the guy is cooking in the home of a Jew. However, Vlohodolor Rabbeinu Tam, Rabbeinu Tam disagreed and forbade Bishalakom even in the home of a Jew. His reason is not 100% clear. He says the Chachamim did not distinguish between a Jewish house and a non-Jewish house. In Tosvot, Rabbeinu Tam explains himself, There's always a suspicion that one may not be careful even in a Jewish house. Not sure exactly what Rabbeinu Tam means by that. Not careful about what? Not careful about intermarriage? I wouldn't call that being not careful. Not careful about the tray food? Perhaps, although Tosvot didn't seem to prefer the explanation that it was a zero lest one eat tray food. It's not exactly clear in the language of Tosvot what Rabbeinu Tam was worried about in the house of a Jew. There doesn't seem to be much of a suspicion, especially since Tosavot holds the reason for the prohibition is intermarriage, and there doesn't seem to be any suspicion of intermarriage if the cooking is being done in the Jewish kitchen. It is easier to understand Rabbeinu Tam's logic as quoted by the Tosavot Rush and the Mordechai in Avodah Zarah, who simply explained that low plug Rabbanon betakanotam, that when the Chachamim <coughs> excuse me, make prohibitions, they do not distinguish between one circumstance and another. It is not the way of the Chachamim to say that something will be prohibited in one circumstance and not in another. We make general rules in Halacha. Therefore, in all likelihood, Rabbeinu Tam's logic is, as the Tosot Rush and Mordechai quote in his name, Lo plug Rabban, and the Rabbanim made a general rule, regardless of whether the reason for the Zera applies or not, they forbade all food cooked by a non-Jew. The other Rishonim, who do not distinguish between where the cooking was done, would seem, therefore, to agree with Rabbeinu Tam that Bishlach is prohibited whether it's in a Jewish house or a non-Jewish house. That is the Psaq of the Shulchan Aruch in the beginning of Simen Kof Yud Gimel who says, Afilu Bekli Yisrael Ubebet Yisrael even if the cooking was done in a, in a kosher path and even in the Jews' house. Asor Mishum Bishulei Ovdei Kohavim The Yisrael Bishul Akum still applies nonetheless. Therefore, even if one has <coughs> a housekeeper or babysitter or such who cooks kosher food in the Jewish kitchen of the Jewish home using the Jewish utensils, the food that she cooks, if that is food that is inedible raw and is fit to be served at a formal table, at a formal meal, would be treif because of bishol akum. It is peculiar to note then that in many communities, people are not careful about this. And the non-Jewish housekeeper does much of the cooking. Is there a way to justify this practice? <coughs> so the Shulchan Aruch in Simon Kof Yud Gimel, if Dalid quotes a machloket between the Ramban and the Rashba.
regarding food cooked by a non-Jewish slave. The Ramban, originally quoted in the Sefer Orchot Chaim, is makel that food cooked by a Gentile slave, an Eved Kenani, is not subject to the prohibition of Bishol Akum. His logic is that since the non-Jew is owned by a Jew, therefore it's not not really considered to be a full non-Jew, especially since we know the halacha tells us that if one owns a non-Jewish slave, even though a slave is not Jewish, says in the Aseret HaDibrot, that that slave may not work on Shabbat, may not work on Shabbat. So we see that a slave owned by a Jew is not considered completely in the category of a non-Jew. It is considered as if it is really Jewish work that's being done. That's why that slave must rest on Shabbat. Therefore, says the Ramban, that this is not within the general category of non-Jews, about whom Chazal decreed that the food they cooked is not kosher. This is a slave of a Jew. It's a member of the, at least economically, of the Jewish people. And therefore, as he says, is not considered a full Gentile, and therefore the Xerah does not apply. However, the Ra'ah and the Rashba argue, or rather, the uh, the Ra'ah is a little more Machmir, says it's proper to be Machmir, and the Rashba argues explicitly and says our Minhag is to be Machmir on this and assume that the prohibition applied to all non-Jews even if they were slaves of a Jew. So the Ramban is lenient regarding an Eved and the Rashva rules the Chumar strictly. The Shochan brings down these two opinions There is an opinion the Ramban who permits food cooked by a uh, by, 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 by a maid a non-Jewish maid and there's the opinion of the Rashva who forbids that food even Bdiyavad, even if it was already cooked. And the Ramah Paskins, a compromise, unlike the Rashba who says it is, for, it is Asur and if that food is cooked you have to throw it in the garbage. And unlike the Ramban who said it is totally mutter to have the maid cook for you, the Ramah Paskins, a compromise, Uvdiyavad yesh l'smoch adivrei hamatirim. Lechachila, one should not have this Eved or Shifcha cook for you. But if the food is already cooked, one can rely on the lean's opinion and eat it. The Shach brings up a problem with this Mechaber and Ramah and points out that the Rishonim, the Ramban and the Rashba were arguing about an actual slave like they used to have in the old days when you actually owned someone as the Ramban said, he's talking about someone who was owned by a Jew and who had to keep Shabbos because of the Jewish ownership. The only machloket among the Rishonim was whether the prohibition applies to an actual slave. Nowadays, however, asked the Shach, we don't have slaves anymore. 
apparently, even in his days, even in the days of the Ramah, it was not common for Jews to own slaves. We only have hired help. Servants who are hired uh, by the year, by the month, whatever it may be. So how can the Ramah say that B'diavad, we can eat the food cooked by a maid if neither opinion permitted Bishal Akam of a maid who has merely hired help. The Machlokit in the Ramban Rashba was only about a maid who was owned by a Jew. No one ever said that food cooked by hired help is permitted. So how could the Ramah be Mekel? And the Shach brings down four explanations. His first explanation is that the Ramah really didn't mean our, our maids. The Ramah was talking theoretically about the countries where it was common for Jews to own slaves. And he meant that the Avad, not in our countries where we have hired help, but in other times and in other places, one can eat the food that was cooked already. However, in our times and places, one cannot eat food cooked by a non-Jewish housekeeper or maid. His second explanation is that perhaps the Ramah was makel, but he have it for a different reason. After all, Rabbeinu Avraham, quoted by Tosfot and the other Rishonim, was makel that the decree of Bishal Akam doesn't apply to food cooked in a Jewish house. Perhaps what the Ramah meant here is that since maids only cook in the boss's house, in the Jewish house, we can rely on Rabbeinu Avraham and permit food cooked by a non-Jew in a Jewish house. Even though the halachas, the chachila, not that way. But since there's what to rely on, and Bishlakim is only in Isur de Rabbanan, we can rely on Rabbeinu Avraham and permit it because it was cooked in a Jewish house. His third explanation is that the Ramah was really referring to something he's about to say in the next line. The Ramah pointed out, points out in the continuation of this Haggah that really as long as it's being done in a Jewish house, there's no problem with Bishal Akum because a Jew will always stoke the coals and further the cooking process. It's an established principle in Masechet Vodazara and the Shulchan Aruch that if a Jew does a significant part of the cooking process, say if a Jew uh, hastens the process of cooking and raises the flame, then it is considered to be a mixed Gentile Jewish effort and is n- does not fall under the prohibition of Bishal Akam. So maybe what the Ramah meant is in the old days when they had wood fires so often the fire would start to die out the the flames would not be strong enough so it was necessary to constantly stoke the coals with the poker in order to make keep the fire going therefore it was the custom in, from the days of Chazal through the time of and well past the time of the Ramah that everyone in the household sorted their responsibility whenever they passed by a fire to stoke the coals a bit and keep that fire alive. That is why on Shabbat the Chachamim prohibited the Isra of Shehiyah. They prohibited leaving food on the stove Friday afternoon without a blech. Because in their days it was second nature 
that if you saw a fire, you'd stoke the coals a little because that was the responsible thing to do as a member of the household. Therefore, they were afraid that even on Shabbos, someone would forget themselves and stoke the coals. Returning to our topic, though, the third explanation of the Shach is that the Ramah was lenient not because of the status of the non-Jew who cooks it, but because when a non-Jewish maid cooks in the Jewish kitchen, doubtless one of the Jewish family members will keep the flame going and stoke the coals, and therefore the food will be permitted. The fourth explanation of the shach is quite fascinating. Based on the language of the tshuva the Ramban, not as quoted by the Orchas Chaim, but as quoted by the Marashal, who suggests that any non-Jew who is cooking, not because they want to do a nice thing and invite over or do a favor for their Jewish friend, but because they have to because it is part of their job, is not subject to the Xer of Bishalakum because there is no fear of intermarriage. Intermarriage is only a result of social closeness, bonds of friendship between the non-Jew and the Jew. That only applies if the non-Jew, out of the goodness of his heart, is cooking for his Jewish friend in order, in order for them to share a meal together, or even in order for him to share his food with the Jew, which leads to closeness between them because he's doing the Jew such a nice, wonderful favor. However, if that's the job of the non-Jew then the prohibition does not apply because he's just doing his job. He has no choice in the matter. Bein yurtzu, bein shalom yurtzu. If he has to cook, whether he likes it or not, then it's not displaying any friendship. It doesn't cause any closeness. He doesn't have a choice in the matter. And therefore, it will not lead to intermarriage and was exempted from the gzera of Chazal. Even though a non-Jewish friend cooking in the house of the Jew, according to this fourth, fourth explanation, would cause the food to be prohibited because of Bishal Akum. That's because there's some friendship there. But a non-Jew is getting paid to do it and doesn't have a choice but has to follow orders, does not lead to any feelings of friendship, and therefore is not prohibited. To summarize then, the Shach has four explanations of why the Ramah was mekel b'diavad on food cooked by non-Jewish maids. One, he was referring to actual slaves owned by a Jew, who are considered partially Jewish. Number two, he was relying on the opinion of Rabbeinu Avraham, the uncle of the Ri, who permitted any food cooked on Jewish premises. Three, he really permitted it for a different reason, because the Jewish family members would stoke the coals. Or four, he permitted any food cooked by a non-Jew who is following orders and not making a free will decision to cook for the Jew because if the non-Jew is merely following orders it doesn't lead to feelings of friendship and closeness and will never lead to intermarriage assuming of course that the real reason behind this Xera is the fear of intermarriage which of these explanations are about do we follow? If we would follow the first explanation that the Ramah was permitting only actual slaves, then nowadays, if a 
non-Jewish housekeeper cooks food, it would be prohibited. Likewise, if we followed the third information, that the Ramah was only makel because the Jews would stoke the coals in modern kitchens, when no one, <laughs> no one needs a, the oven doesn't need any help maintaining its temperature, if the housekeeper cooked something on her own, then it would be prohibited. However, according to the second and fourth reasons, if the reason for the Ramah's leniency is because it was in the house of a Jew, or the reason for the Ramah's leniency is because the non-Jew is following orders and not acting out of the goodness of her heart, then the, this logic would apply to contemporary housekeepers, and any food cooked by a Jewish housekeeper, bidiyavad, once it was already cooked, would be permitted. Halachalama said the Shach doesn't tell us which reason he follows. However, we have good reason to believe that it might be the second explanation that we rely on Rabbeinu Avram Bidiyavad, because that is what the Dark Moshe seems to imply. The Rahman is commentary in the Torah, quotes as much in the name of early Ashkenazic poskim. Likewise, the Taz and the Gra and the other Achronim seem to imply that the second and fourth explanations are most authoritative. The impression one gets from the comments of the Taz and the Gra is that we can't be sure which explanation of the Ramah is correct. And therefore, we can't rely on the second explanation of the Ramah. And we can't rely on the fourth explanation. However, we could rely on the fact that one of those two explanations must be correct. And therefore, when both explanations apply, we can be lenient. Meaning, if a non-Jewish friend came over and as a favor to be nice out of friendship, cooked in the Jewish kitchen, it would be hard to be lenient even bidiyefed. We would not want to rely only on the second explanation that we rely on Rabbeinu Avraham. Likewise, if a non-Jewish hired help cooked in his own home, it would be hard to rely just on the fourth explanation of the shach and say that whenever the hired help is working without acting out of uh, freedom, whenever he's following orders, we can always be lenient. However, when the second and fourth explanation are both present, then we can be comfortable that at least one of them must be correct. Therefore, if it was done, number one, in the house of a Jew, and number two, by hired help who were not given choice in the matter, but are merely following orders and earning their keep, then we can be lenient bidiyavad. That seems to be the accepted halacha that if a non-Jewish housekeeper who's on the Jewish payroll and only working for money and only following orders cooks in the Jewish kitchen, bidiyavad, we can eat the food that she cooks. Therefore, although no posek would justify lechachila, the practice, of allowing one's housekeeper to cook food which may be subject to the prohibition of Bishal Akum, we can justify this unfortunately common practice bidiyavad because the Ramah says that food cooked by maids is permissible bidiyavad and he probably meant either because it was cooked in the Jewish home like a of rum or because the maids are acting out of compulsion and not friendship, and therefore are not even within the general category of those to whom the suspicion of intermarriage applies. And therefore, if one is invited over to a house where food may have been cooked by the housekeeper, or if somehow accidentally the housekeeper already cooked food, one doesn't have to throw the food out, one doesn't have to caution the utensils, one can eat the food, but lechachila, 
one should not allow a housekeeper to cook on her own. Somewhat more controversial is the question of what to do if one has a housekeeper um, whose responsibilities may include some cooking. This is dependent on another machloka between the Machaber and the Ramah in Simon Kof Yud Gimel Se'ev Zayin regarding Shkirat HaTanur lighting the oven. The Gemara says explicitly with regard to the prohibition of Pat Akum of not Gentile bread that if a Jew lit the oven and a non-Jew put the bread in to bake, that is considered to be a joint Gentile-Jewish effort, and the bread is perfectly permissible. As long as the Jew has some participation, even if the Jew doesn't actually do the cooking, just does the preparatory stage of lighting the oven, that seems to be good enough. The Mechaber assumes, based on Rama, Ran, and other Rishonim, that this leniency only applies to bread of a non-Jew, to Pa'akum. Pa'akum, we are more lenient, either because we are very lenient when it comes to Pa'akum, perhaps because it's such a staple that it will not lead to intermarriage, is too simple, or as some Rishonim suggest, because bread is the staff of life, or at least was the staff of life in their days, and therefore the Chacham were somewhat more lenient. Or perhaps, as the Ran suggests, because normally when one baked bread, there was an elaborate ritual of lighting the oven in the precise way beforehand, which was done as its own individual stage, so that one would light the fire up the oven, wait for them to form coals, and then put the bread in so the fire would not actually touch and burn the bread. So perhaps when it came to Pa'akum, the stage of lighting the oven was, uh, was a much more important part of the process. Therefore, says the Mechaber, only when it comes to Pa'akum, either where Chazal wanted to be more mekel, because it was, so ne- it was a necessity of life, or where lighting the oven was more of an important stage and independent stage of the process, they were making a lot of a Jew lights the oven, that's good enough. However, when it comes to bishuleyakum, to foods cooked by a Gentile, only actual cooking makes a difference. The only way to make this permissible for a Jew to participate in the actual cooking process merely turning on the oven beforehand, but not health. The Ramah, however, is more mekel. He quotes, V'yesh cholken usfir lehu dehadlakat ha'esh ochitug yechalem hani leinim bishlok molinim pat. says, <coughs> he quotes that even lighting the fire in advance, even, let's say, turning on the oven would make the food permissible in Bishal Akum just as it does in Pat Akum. And 
he says, That is the Meneg Ashkenaz, that if a Jew turns on the oven, that is good enough. And although not all of the Achronim accept this Kula of the Ramah, although many Achronim are more Machmir, Many Achronim do Paschal like the Ramah. The Shach seems to uh, agree with the Ramah. The Mincham Yaakov agrees with the Ramah. <coughs> and the Taz agrees with the Ramah at least when the cooking is being done in a Jewish house. Because even if the Ramah is wrong, perhaps Rabbi Noam Avraham is right that the Gzair of Bishal Akim doesn't apply in the Jewish house, therefore says the Taz, perhaps the Ramah is right, that if a Jew turned on the oven, that's good enough. Even if not, perhaps Rabbeinu Avram is right, that in the Jewish house, there's never a prohibition of Bishal Akim, and therefore, if a Jew turned on the oven in his own house, his or her own house, that's good enough. Now, though not everyone agrees with this, Menegolim seems to be to be Mako, that if a Jew turns on the oven, even if a non-Jew with the, the, the Gentile housekeeper would subsequently cook, the Minigah Olam is to be makel on this, even lechachila. The like, the Ramah, and the Shach, and those who agree with him, who say that a Jew turning on the oven always permits Bishalakam, and as the Taz points out, even if they're wrong, perhaps the Rabbeinu Avram is right, and we might add, even if the Ramah is wrong, and Rabbeinu Ram is wrong, maybe Ramban is right, that if the non-Jew is just doing it as part of her work, there's no prohibition as well, uh, there's no prohibition of Bishal Akam, so with all of these three arguments for Kula, it seems we can justify the Minigolam that even Lechachila, if a Jew turns on the oven, even uh, and a non-Jew puts the food in the oven to cook, that's good enough. In modern ovens, the Jew wouldn't even have to leave the oven on all day. Most of our ovens have timers, and the Jew would seem could set it on a timer to go on when it's time to cook the dinner. And the non-Jew could then place the food, the non-Jewish housekeeper could then place the food in the oven, and that, it seems, would be permissible even l'chachila. Old, very old-fashioned stoves have a pilot light. And this is an issue of much halakhic controversy, whether as the Ramah continues to say, there are those There are those who say that as even if all the Jew did was light a fire, and the non-Jew lit another fire from that fire and cooked. Meaning, even if all the Jew did was light a source fire, which was the source of the later fire that the non-Jew lit and cooked on, even that is considered Jewish participation. And removes the prohibition of Bishal Akum. This is the equivalent of the pilot lights that used to be on old-fashioned gas stones, gas stoves. There's some controversy because many Akronim assume that perhaps even the Ramah does not make a Lechachila on a pilot light. And a number of Akronim uh, 
are very hesitant to be makele on a pilot light. However, those who do rely on the Ramah and assume that as long as a Jew lit the pilot light, that removes the prohibition of Bishal Akram, certainly have what to rely on. And in any case, to the best of my knowledge nowadays, it's not common to find a stove with a pilot light or, for that matter, an oven with a pilot light because they all have electric ignitions. On the other hand, although we don't have pilot lights, many of our ovens, at least nowadays, have timers instead. So, perhaps we have a better halachic solution instead of a Jew lighting the pilot light and relying on that. If the Jewish householder remembers every time they need the housekeeper to put something in to cook, to set the oven, either to leave it on, or to set the oven to go on in time for the cooking, then they can safely eat even lechachila without worrying about the isser of bishokam.